0: there's a possibility he's going to be gone but he's, here. he's here so um, he's here. Could, yeah could someone just give us a quick word picture of the setting that we're in right now it's John 15 Jesus, Jesus is still talking but if someone, if someone could do that for us that would be really helpful what's been going on in this discussion Um, so, nobody's in trouble,"
1: huh?
0: I said. "Nobody's in trouble. That's you can, you can say, yeah." <laughs>
1: it's, so it's called. It's called the better written down here someplace. It's called the something discourse, farewell discourse, and Jesus is walking with his disciples, explaining to them what's going to happen, mm-hmm. and that he knows. He knows at this point in time. He's going to die. And he's trying to tell all of his disciples that are with him the most important things that they're going to need to remember once he's gone. Mm-hmm. And hold on to these things because it's important. Mm-hmm. Um, reaffirming who he is and what where he's going.
0: Yep, that's exactly it. So John, the way John is setting the story up for us is that they were sitting at table together. They were reclining at table together and now they've, Jesus said, get up, let's go. So they're moving out and the picture that we get is that they're going through the Mount of Olives. They've possibly seen vineyards and he is—he has been telling them that he is the vine and they are the branches. Mm-hmm. Um, what what do you, as we have discussed it, what are, what are the words that we've used to describe how the disciples are feeling right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, confused.
2: Afraid? Yeah. Saying crazy things mm-hmm. from their
0: perspective. From their perspective. Um, the phrase that Chris brings up a lot um, to help us understand probably just how traumatic this was for them was that this is the worst night of their lives. Um, and the and then as we've looked at the words, um, what's the mood of what Jesus is saying to them? Because he's giving them instruction, and he's calling them up, up. But is he has he been teaching them in a threatening way or in an inventory way? Like he's inviting them to something. The last part. Yeah, he's inviting. Yeah. So that's the that's the mood of this. That they that they're probably feeling desperation, and he's making really strong statements to them, but um, they're not they're not threats. <laughs> okay, so we'll just I just want to read the verse nine from from last week, and then we'll go into the two new verses that I would like to talk about tonight. Just as the Father has loved me. I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Verse 9 is just wonderful. The Father, he's saying that the Father has perfect, he has loved me. And that's in a perfect tense. I mean, it's something that's complete. He has loved me, and just like the Father has loved me, that's, that's how I have loved you. That's what I've done for you. And then he says to them, So, abide in my love. Um, in verse 10... Now he starts explaining, just like a teacher does, because he, said, he has said to them, Abide in my love. But these, these guys know that he's been telling them he's going to depart. And so he's, this is contradictory to know he's departing and he's telling them to abide. So he does what a good teacher does. He looks at them. And he's, he's now going to explain what, what he means by abiding. It's, if you keep my commandment you will abide in my love. Well, what does that look like? What do you you mean by abide in my love? And then he explains it some more. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. So he's taking this hard, a very hard thing to say to people that you've been walking around in an intimate, physical contact with for years, these men that he's chosen to be with him he's telling them he's departing and he's simultaneously commanding them to remain with him so he wants to, he wants to explain what that means um, when he asks them to keep his commandments, whose commandments is he asking them to keep? well not, not I mean the word, the word that he used to describe it is mine yeah he's, a, he's in the father but I mean if you just play around with it a little bit it feels different it feels different if you put in just um, a definite article like if you keep the commandments you will abide in my love do you see how that feels different Or if he says, if you keep um, God's commandments, you will abide in my love. It's just beautiful that he says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. And that direction there is beautiful because it's relational. He's saying, my words. If If you keep my words, if you remember the things that I've said, you'll abide in my love. He's, he's yeah. He's just he's bringing it back to a relationship, which I just think is really pretty. Um, and then and then to make it just that much clearer to them, he said, "Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in in His love, so they've their experience is that they've watched him do that." So he's been telling them all along, I only do the things that I see my father do. Um, I only say the things that my father says. And that's their example for how to do it, is to think about how he's been doing it for, the, for all the time that they've known him. So would you like to learn some Greek? Okay. Okay. Well, if you said no, I would, I, would I just do it anyway? I don't know. Okay, all right. So this word right here, it starts with a tau. That's the letter that looks like a T. Uh, there we go. Okay. The way that you say that, the first letter is a tau. The second letter is an eta. I know it looks like an N, but it's an eta. And you say it like a long A. And then the thing that looks like a P is not a P. It's a row. So you say R. So you have te, re, se, te. The E on the end, the thing that looks like an E is an epsilon. Okay. And that, that verb right there, they translate as... Um, You keep, and it's what we don't see as well as a Greek speaker or hearer or reader would see is that it's subjunctive. Okay. So I think that there's someone here besides Chris Perry who knows what subjunctive is. Okay. I'm going to give you a really (laughs) strong word picture so that from here on out, forever and ever, whenever you're in church, you will get it. Okay. So do you all know what a subcontractor is, like a yeah. sub-subcontractor? Mm-hmm. Okay. A sub-sub-subcontractor is the person who may or may not get paid at the bottom. It's all dependent on whether the big guy at the top gets paid. So Ed frequently works as a sub-subcontractor in the audio, audio world. And the way this works is a client calls an ad agency and says, I need an ad. That ad agency makes an ad and then calls a sound studio. And then the sound studio selects Ed to be voice talent and Ed comes in. So the, the ad agency bills the client. 30 days later, the client pays. Then 30 days later, they pay the sound studio. And then 30 days later, now we're at 90 days, they pay Ed. So these checks come in the mail for jobs that we forgot that he had done. Okay? It's 90 days later. But, you know, there have been times when the ad agency has gone belly up. Mm-hmm. Or the client doesn't pay. And you know, you just don't get paid. You are a subcontractor. So if you could just see in your head, write the word subcontractor, and above it, write the word subjunctive. And then it. Then underneath of that, paint a picture of a happy little contractor <laughs> with a hard hat and then paint a, a picture of a contractor that's going, be, okay, it's sub, it's under, it's joined up. You, you are totally dependent on other people with whether or not you're going to get paid. Okay? So the subjunctive, I think the right word is mood. The subjunctive mood of these Greek verbs is it might hap- it may happen or it might not happen. All right, so next time you hear the word subjunctive, what do you see in your head? You see a subcontractor that might or might not get paid, okay? That's what you're going to see. You see Ed going, is the check going to come in? And it just may not come in. It just may not come in. Okay. So that word keep there, I mean, we have the word in Greek, this one right here, the epsilon and the alpha and the new, that's aon, and that means if. So we already have the word if there. But if that is not enough for you, we have te teresete, te which is subjunctive. Well, you may or may not keep it. But if you keep my commandments, and then this word right here, we we learned that last time I was taught, and I know Chris has said it too. Do you remember what that one is? It starts with an, a mu, so it's me, ne. Just like in English, the E-I says A, so Me, Ne, Te. That one is, um, you will abide. If you, if you keep my commandments, you will abide, and it's in the future, and it's an indicative. So, everybody, pick your favorite car, your very favorite car, and the dashboard, the indicator lights. <laughs> It just shows you what is. If you're really lucky, you have a gas gauge that works, and it just indicates how much gas you have. That's the condition of, of your car. okay? And that's what that one is. It's just, that's what is. So if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I, the commandments of my Father, um, have, have kept... And that word is not subjunctive like, our, like um, the one about the disciples. That word is um, it's, it's indicative. Just think of your lights on your dashboard. And it's perfect. It means he's saying, I have done it. It's all done. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and then... And then I abide. And this is the one we actually wrote out on a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Um, where is it? Menno. Mm-hmm. See that? There's the mu and the epsilon. And then that v is a nu. And then the omega, the long O sound, Meno, I abide. So I have kept the commandments. I abide in his love. So then in the next verse it says, These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Well what are the these things? No, i really I am asking actually. What are the these things? I, I really don't have a big surprise or a theological bomb to drop on anybody. I mean, like, take your best guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what makes sense to me, that it's all the things that he's been saying to them that night, but then also, like, everything that he's been saying to them. But what do you think, Chris Perry?
2: I think contextually,
0: Yeah.
2: he's speaking of the teachings of the discourse within the
0: discourse. Okay. Yeah.
2: Now, we know theologically there's the greater picture of, if you pay attention to everything he says, there's a blessing from, from the chapter one, of Matthew, on the, the last chapter from John. But I think in this instance, he's really pointing <coughs> to hey, guys, what I've been telling you these last few hours, this is it. Really gotta get this. Mm-hmm. So, I think that's the thrust. Is it an all inclusive concept? I don't think so.
0: These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you. So, what, when Jesus says my joy, mm-hmm. what is his joy?
1: Placing the boat.
0: Mm-hmm. What else? mm hmm Can somebody look up John 4:32? the word joy does not show up but it just as I was thinking about stories of when you could see he was really filled up um, this is one that came to my mind it's the story of the woman at the well um, well I it's probably around in that area he's been with her the disciples have left to go get food and they've come back with food, and then what does He say to them? I
2: have food <laughs> you ever? nothing about. Yeah. <clears throat> I, mean,
0: have you ever, I, I mean, have you ever just been so happy and full of joy about something that you weren't looking for food? Like whatever you were doing was just so satisfying at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> There is one, there's one passage where it almost seems like Jesus is getting kind of excited about something and it just struck me as unusual because I mean I'm reading the gospel through Andrea's eyes so it just all kind of looks sad to me I don't know if sad is the right word but um, it just doesn't seem glowingly happy <clears throat> Like parties and balloons and whatnot, but in Luke chapter ten, he sent out the seventy. He sent out the seventy, and they're returning, and they've come back, and they're really excited. And his response to them is kind of neat. It's, it's one of the points at which. Um, so can somebody find that? I mean, I'm just not quite there yet. What does he say to them when they come back? Yeah. Um, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning yeah he, the yeah. 70 returned with joy saying Lord even the demons are subject to us in your name and he said I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning you know um, I think I see joy in that that they're coming back they're really excited and he's, and he's excited for them I mean he he counsels them a little, he does counsel them Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this <laughs> but but you do see that um what about psalm forty I eight mean, psalm forty verse eight
2: to do your will O oh my god I desire your law is written. Your law is within my
0: heart. I I delight to do your will. Oh my God, your law is within my heart. Okay. Cool. He says, um, "These things I have spoken to you, so that my joy may be in you." That may be right there. It's in Greek. It's actually just one little letter. It's the, it's the Ada that has all of these little doodads hanging in oh, and yeah. off of it right there. But that's a maybe, and that's a subjunctive, so that's where you see your contractor there that may or may not get paid. Um, so that my joy may be in you. And then he says, and that your joy may be made full. Um, the question I had out of that is what is your joy Mm
2: -hmm.
0: there's this beautiful passage um, John the Baptist is baptizing and Jesus is gaining followers and um, John's disciples come to him and say hey uh, Jesus is really picking up steam here, and um, John, has this, John has this response to them. He says, he who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. And so this joy of mine, hello, um, this joy of mine has been made full. So, and then he says, I must, he must increase and I must decrease. So, and that's in John chapter 3. It's like 22 to 30, but that crucial voice, the crucial verse right there is John 20, is 29. Um, and John is saying, my joy is made full because I'm watching Jesus minister. That was his joy. What about 3rd John... Um, Probably you all know this one. This is 3 John 1, 4. And he says, I have no greater joy than this. What is it? Can you say the rest of it? I have no greater joy than this. So no. Nope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, say that louder. I have no greater joy than this to hear my children are walking in the truth. Um, what joy would the Apostle Paul have?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: He uses a, an absolutely beautiful phrase about the Philippians. The, um, he writes to them, it's toward the end. This is Philippians 4.1. Um, I just wrote down a little phrase from that, but if somebody can turn to it quickly, we can read the whole thing. hmm Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long
2: for, my joy and crown stand firm thus in the Lord
0: my beloved. His joy is them. So um One one of the things that I wanted to bring out is, and you see this particularly with the story of John, and I think we could think of it too as in um, how happy we are for other people when we see them doing the thing that they're made to do, when we see them walking in the Lord. Um, joy... I think is very dyadic because one of the first things that happens when you have your desires fulfilled, when you are full of happiness such such that it is this overwhelming joy is one of the first things that you want to do is to go find somebody and tell them. But But it's so much better if somebody is with you when you're experiencing that. So joy is this, joy is, is an emotion that we almost always share with other people. Mm-hmm. It's in the context of being in a relationship with other people. I, I was really trying to think if there was a time in which I had a joy that was just very private and individual. I, I was racking my brain. Like, for me, I just... I couldn't think of anything. I mean, joy is something that you have with other people, and you think about a wedding, and the bride is happy, right? And the groom, the groom is happy. They are happy, but I, I'm not sure that they are quite as happy as the parents who, who have the joy of seeing a daughter marry a really good man. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you just went through that, Janice, didn't you? I mean, I would think it would just eclipse even the happiness of one's own wedding. Like... It really does. You <laughs> <I> can remember
2: <laughs> your own wedding. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, the, you, you can have so much more joy watching someone else have their, have their desires filled. So when you put it in that kind of context, now think about this. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. What if it really pleased, pleased him that the disciples would have their joy filled up? I mean, he's told them, he's told them, I go to the Father and because I go to the Father, I'm going to send the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and greater works than these you will do. I mean, think about that. He's going to go, and, and they're going to do greater works. Their joy is going to be filled up. Um. So just one more thing that I wanted to point out with the Greek. Well, yeah, here it is. That one right there. Play rothae. That's the verb that's meaning um, may be made full. And there's so much going on in this. There's one thing going on that I don't really understand. It's that it's kind of a past tense thing. It's called an aorist, and I've tried to learn about it, and I don't fully understand it. But the other two things are more clear, and that's that it's a passive verb, and so someone else is doing the filling. So that your joy may be made full. It is something that is done to the disciples. It's something that is done to us. Your joy may be made full. You receive it. It's just passive. And then the other thing that's in that verb. I mean, I just don't even know how you stack all that up. But it's also subjunctive. So it may or may not happen. And that that's just a lot of, there's just a lot right there. But these things I've spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be in me. I think that... So now, I I just want to open it up to you all.
1: So is it possible to have the kind of joy Jesus is talking about without having community?
0: Well, I don't think we can have his joy unless he's in us.
1: Right. Apart from having any other people around you, how do you experience the joy that Jesus is talking about? As he experienced the joy. Yeah. Chris and I talked about this this morning. When it comes right down to it, if you were like Jesus, as he knows what's going to happen to him, and all of his friends left him, he still experienced that joy because he had that relationship with the Father so can we have that same joy apart from what anything happens to us in life can we experience that same joy if all of our friends left us reference earlier about Philippians the Paul's mm-hmm. letter to the
0: my joy and my crown in, in verse
1: 3 mm-hmm. it just, he, he, if you start in verse 17 he talks about how the world has turned away from him but then he goes on to say but our citizenship is in heaven and we eager, eagerly await a savior from there the Lord Jesus Christ who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lonely bodies and that we will be like his glorious body. I mean, it's looking forward Mm -hmm. to what is going to happen regardless of our situation that we're experiencing today. How do we get there?
0: How do you get there?
2: Commandments, my joy. So it has to do with our relationship with Christ Mm -hmm. for us to own those and take those on. It is the subcontractor
1: to keep my commandments. How much of this was written? Culturally, because his disciples were Jews and the terminology that's being used as far as commandments was for that, that time so they could understand what he was saying versus this same thing being written after the resurrection after he went back to be at the Father and he gave us one commandment go and make disciples culturally, how did this fit in prior to the crucifixion?
0: Mary, are you asking really what the word commandments means?
1: Yeah.
0: Well, I think it also means teaching, doesn't it? I guess that's one I didn't look up.
2: Yeah, I mean, they're...
0: It's they're, all loss. Like,
2: they're all kind of family group concepts. Laws, precepts, commandments, teachings, mm-hmm. things that I say if you keep the words that I say words, a lot of us, yeah, so they're all king group language um, Randy if I might pick on that idea yeah. this is this language here is very much in it, it's spoken in a Jewish frame of mind
1: that's what I'm thinking Right. Yeah.
2: and it is called messianic hope also called eschatological hope. In the Old Testament, the great hope of Israel. And Israel's faith is very much reflecting backward but has a forward kind of hope. One day, God will come through for us. One day, a deliverer will come. And you look at it, and God has brought a series of prophets and judges and Moses, the great patriarchs. God always is going to come through. Even at the eleventh hour, Right, your ankles are wet in the Red Sea, but God's going to come through. And so, in the Jewish frame of mind, there's always hope. Now, that idea is so powerful that uh, David, because of relationship, Christ believed that his father was worthy of trust. Jesus is going through the worst moment a human in history can go through. He's facing crucifixion and does it with Andrew with a joyful heart. Is that not fascinating? A joyful heart. And so, Randy, my struggle with this tonight is I can get some really bad attitudes. And I can lose my joy because I get frustrated over. By comparison, petty, nonsensical, worldly, just the junk of life. Being late for an appointment, catching every red light. Well, it didn't matter what it is. Compared to facing the cross, it's nothing, right? And yet, uh, Christ is demonstrating an esteem of such depth, a relationship of such depth even in the worst moment of his life he can say guys I see the end I know what's coming and I'm telling you I want my joy to be in you and I want your joy to overflow beyond what you could ever imagine but I'm telling you you have to take Moping around the house, what's wrong? Where's your playroom of joy? Where's your oh, overflowing joy? I don't see your overflowing joy. I see your lousy, depressing. How face. you That's what I see, You know. Um, so yeah, I mean, we can get out of focus and, and lose sight of this stuff. And and David, all of this is done in relationship. Love one another. Isn't that the principal commandment? has in mind. Absolutely. That's the principal commandment we've got in mind. Love one another, which is what I've proven to you. Um, everybody turn to uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Well, we're not able to love one another unless we abide in you. It, absolutely. It, it all, you get one, you get the other. Yeah. you've got to do both. Everybody look at Hebrews 12 and see how, how whoever the mysterious part of is. Look how he ties this thing together. It is amazing, and the concept of joy verse 12, 1, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and sin, which so easily entangles us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And I don't want to, please, can you bear with my rhetoric, please? If I could get really human for just a second. Can you imagine the throne room, and there's God? You know, Can you imagine what he would look like? Okay. And here comes the son, and Jesus Christ is coming to sit down next to dad for the first time. and they're walk- he is walking toward the throne, and there's a throne next to God's, and he's going to sit down next to Dad. Do you think they high-fived? Yeah. And then Jesus sat down, and like, man, it worked, <laughs> we did it. <laughs> and he sits down, I know, I know, I just put some really human stuff in all that, but I'm telling you, there was joy set before him, and can you imagine those guys seeing each other Jesus' is home. And all that joy in the plan worked. A plan that was labeled with the foundations of the world that hold the Lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world. And those two guys, Father and Son, make eye contact. Can you imagine? And he walks up and he sits down. And the joy that was made in both of their hearts. I just think, Randy, this has got logical. means it's okay if Chris Perry has a bad day. That bad day doesn't have to ruin it. Unless I let it. And sometimes
0: that's That picture of them having joy in one another's presence is very powerful. Oh, man. It's all and that's, that's what he's wanting. That's what he's wanting for us. He's wanting his joy to be in us. He's wanting his joy to be in us. And then he wants our joy to be made full. Because that gives him joy. Um, Jesus walked around Galilee, and he was in Jerusalem, and he served those people there. And we know that his spirit was with Paul, but it was Paul who got to go to the rest of the known world. I mean, but, you know, it was Paul that got to walk through Asia. It was Paul that got to go to Rome and share with the Gentiles. And that was Paul's joy, but that was Jesus' joy, but Paul's joy got to be made full. But just think just think how much joy that gave Jesus. For Paul's joy to be full. Just pretty wonderful. Would someone like to lead us in communion? What did you say you said? Would someone like to lead us in communion? Oh.
1: before they went on this walk. They got up from there, like Andrew was saying earlier, from being reclined at a table and they just experienced the last Passover meal together. They were celebrating Passover. Um, I can't imagine what Passover was like. I've never had a Jewish Seder. I don't know if anybody else had Anybody else experienced that? so transitioning that period of time and Jesus is trying to make that transition with his disciples anticipating this walk through the vineyard up to the, Mount, uh, up to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. and all this time even Jesus himself had been celebrating remembering the Passover that's kind of an interesting thought think that Jesus knew that he was going to be the sacrificial lamb but yet he was still celebrating and remembering what God did for the Hebrew people and their freedom out of Egypt because of the blood of the land that was shed and put over the doorposts so when he came to this night he was transitioning with them Forward, I'm not going to do this with you anymore. And every time you do it from this point forward, don't remember that anymore because I am now your sacrificial lamb. I am now the blood on the doorpost. I am now the lamb that you slaughtered that night and consumed and became part of you. So Jesus being in you, literally, as we take communion. It's his body and blood that was shed for us. So that we could have freedom from everything that the world has that entraps us. All the things that bind us. We find freedom in the fact that Christ paid for all of that. So that at some point in time, the joy that is before us, we will experience eternal eternal life in heaven. And even though we don't think about it. For some of us, that could be later this week. We could enter into eternity anytime. We just don't know when that will be. Those people in New York, they were from Argentina, they probably thought they were going to go home. But we live in a crazy world. But if we live in the joy of what Andrea has taught tonight, understanding that Christ is in us, hope of glory and we can celebrate gave thanks and said to them take this and divide it among you for I tell you I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes and he took the bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying this is my body given for you do this in remembrance of me in the same way after the supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant that's that transition that we're talking about now The Davidic covenant, the Mosaic covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, all those old covenants are now behind. This is now the new covenant poured out for you. focus on that and I think something that has convicted me lately is every conversation, every action, everything that we do as far as the commands of Jesus, if we keep our minds focused on whatever we say back to that person, whatever action we choose to do, if we're doing it to draw that other person closer into a relationship with God the Father through Christ then we're obeying his commandments regardless of how much sacrifice it takes so let's pray Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Father God thank you so much for being our God for a God who is holy, righteous, and just for a God who is all-powerful, all-knowing ever-present for a God who loves us and cares for us and wants us to experience the joy of your Son, Jesus, who came and lived among us for a while and sacrificed his life so that we might have fellowship with you. Thank you. Thank you for the fellowship and the encouragement we get from one another and the encouragement that we get from reading your word and fellowshipping with you in our times. Thank you for your written Word we know that the disciples were learning by example of Jesus and communicating these truths by word of mouth and we get it in writing thank you for saving the words of your son that we might be able to recall it and live it out in our own lives thank you for Andrea thank you for her teaching thank you for Chris and his teaching thank you for just those in our congregation here Father that Teach us about truth. We celebrate your gift tonight as we take this cup and eat of this bread, remembering that it was your Son who paid the price for us. Thank you. All praise goes to you.